Today, we are privileged to be among white men and white women, <laughs> such as yourselves. Real warriors for the real America, the America that our ancestors fought and died for. The true white American race, the backbone from whence came our great Southern heritage. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you so much for never putting your country second. America first. America first. America first. Ron Stallworth calling. Well, who am I speaking with? This is David Duke. Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. That David Duke? God. Last time I checked. What can I do you for? Well, since you asked, I hate blacks. I hate Jews, Mexicans, and Irish, Italians, and Chinese. But my mouth to God's ears, I really hate those black rats. And anyone else, really, that doesn't have pure white Aryan blood running through their veins. I'm happy to be talking to a true white American. God bless white America. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Obsessively Outspoken Podcast. As always, I am your host, Rem, and I am joined by my co-host, Yellow. Today we break down the Spike Lee joint, Black Klansman. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Black Klansman yet, you may want to wait and listen to another episode until you see the movie. Today, we also delve into this phenomenon called tribalism and get a better understanding of why and how we become tribal. Thank you so much for joining us today. Enjoy. There's never been a black cop in this city. We think you might be the man to open things up around here. The KKK is planning an attack. How do you propose to make this investigation? We'll establish contact over the phone. We'll need a white officer to play me when they meet face to face. You for the white race, Ron? Oh, hell yeah. So there becomes a combined Ron, Ron Stallworth. Can you do that? With the right white man, we can do anything. Ron Stallworth is played by Denzel Washington's son, John David Washington, who actually had a small role in the 1992 Spike Lee joint, Malcolm X. He's also on the HBO series Ballers, which is a really great series, by the way, with The Rock. Anyway, so I'm going to tell you what are some of the things I enjoyed about the movie, and then I'll let you give your critique. I really enjoyed the story itself, and I can't believe it's never been done or told before. In my personal opinion, every good film starts with a compelling story and how well that story is told. I thought Spike Lee did an excellent job, especially when it came to showing the audience the parallel between the white supremacist culture back then and how the same buzzwords like America first and make America great again still reverberates and to some degree still resonates in 2018. Spike Lee said 
from the moment he saw the Charlottesville tragedy unfold, he knew it would be the movie's ending. And that, to me, was the most powerful and poignant portion of the film. Yeah, the ending brought it back, you know, brought everything home because, you know, the setting of that was, you know, um, in the 70s. And um, like, not, we haven't had much change from the 70s to um, right now. You know, it's the same, you know, same things we have um, to deal with. Back then, we're still dealing with it right now. It, it has uh, transitioned to a different way of uh, being implemented, but it's still the same exact um, um, stuff that we, we still have to deal with. Corey Grow wrote an article in Rolling Stone where he mentioned racial injustice still being a problem in Colorado, possibly because of its, of its deep-seated roots. And Corey Grow is actually from Colorado. A PBS documentary about Colorado's relationship with the KKK says that at one point in the 20s, it had the second highest per capita membership in the group after Indiana, and that the Klan re-emerged there in the 1990s. These days, the Southern Poverty Law Center identifies 21 active hate groups in Colorado with several Nazi anti-Muslim, anti-immigrant organizations stationing themselves there alongside the KKK. This number is comparable to that of Alabama, though it's a fraction of the number in Florida, California, and New York. So there you have it. There's still a lot of racial issues in Colorado, although none of these instances are directly led to or tied to the Klan. Racial tensions remain high in the area even as the population has grown from the 1990s. The movie brought up David Duke, and this is the same David Duke who ran for president. Um, he was the one that was um, conned or tricked into believing that uh, the black cop was, Ron Worth was actually a white um, cop. So um, it, it was able to identify, you know, of David Duke hit pass and, you know, <clears throat> knowing his present because like he tried to clean up his act when he was running for president and you know you know being up in a different generation you might not have known his history and um like with the election of donald trump his old self re um he became his old self back again and he was, you know, being a, he was a strong a Trump supporter and he was rallying his clans and, you know, he, he had everything, you know, active as it was the 1970s. So this guy, you know, he's never changed from then till now. He hasn't changed one bit. And, they, you know, at the end, they showed you that active enrollment, enrollment that he had uh, even today. So, um, you know, it. It was good, the fact that it, it gave you that history and um, spotted out, you know, pinpoint um, who David Duke is for, you know, other generations who knows who nothing about David Duke. The irony of it all is that David Duke was speaking to a black man on the other end of the phone the whole time, and he didn't have the slightest inkling. His reasoning for knowing that he's speaking with a white man was because black men and women pronounce their R's different, differently. R, they say RR. Like, newsflash, not all people of color speak in proper English. I've lived in the South for many, many years. 
You can't just put that on black people. America always into labeling. America label everything. The latest label is Ebonics. That's their new label. They're trying to label the way black folks talk. They're going to call it Ebonics. I got news for you. That ain't just the way black folks talk. You ain't going to put that on just us. Oh, no, we shooting a special in Georgia. Walk around, strike up some conversation with these folks down here. I'm telling you, it ain't just us. Ebonics is nationwide. Ebonics covers everybody. You ain't going to just blame us for it. That's why black people have to be very careful and not say to another person of color, you sound white just because that person of color speaks properly. Speaking proper English is not synonymous for speaking or sounding white. Anyway, Ron Stallworth said in the Denver Post back in July that white supremacy never dies. They go underground and then they come back at certain times to spread their hate. We're in that period again now and that's why this movie and this story mean something. I was so happy that he said that because I agree 100%. And I'm, I, I'm really happy that he got the opportunity to speak and, and come out and do interviews and uh, tell his side because uh, I think it's important to know. What's interesting is when Jay and I saw the movie, there were probably more Caucasians in the theater than people of color. A lot of people were shocked by that and I just couldn't quite understand why? I think we have to stop making the assumption that Caucasians aren't interested in these types of movies because a lot of them are. It kind of reminded me of back in the day when I first found out that a group, a, a large percentage of Public Enemy and NWA fan base are Caucasian. Like I was shocked, but that was back in the late 80s, early 90s. I'm not that shocked anymore because there is high interest when it comes to black culture and black struggle. Yeah. Um, I, I was shocked too. I mean, it, it was a, a cultural shock because first and foremost, I mean, look at it, uh, you know, from our perception is that uh, like music, hip hop music has always been in the, you know, certain community of, you know, let's say, call it urban or you want to say black. Uh, um, and, you know, you never really thought it had such a big impact on the world, but music is music, no matter um, what kind of music it is people will levitate to it if it's good music. So um, the, uh, the public enemies and all of that culture music and stuff, I mean, it was, you know, um, conscious music. And I mean, Bob Marley also fell in that category. He was doing conscious music too. And listen to the, if you listen to the words he was saying, but guess what? Everybody was listening to it because it was good music. That's interesting because back then in the 80s and 90s, I would think that Caucasians would look at that type of black art as anti-Caucasian, but they didn't. They understood the message that pro-black is not tantamount to anti-Caucasian. I think this is very important in today's time to understand. I think some Caucasians and maybe some black people do not jump on the Black Lives Matter movement because they equate it with white supremacy and they're not the same at all. If, if we continue, you know, um, people interpret things the way they want to interpret things because like uh, people like that decide, okay, well, anti-black is, uh, is against them. They want to interpret it this way. So they, you mean, mean pro-black? 
you're pro-black, they want to make it seem like it's something bad. Um, they want to, but everybody, it depends on the individual because that's where we get that mindset. Okay, automatically they think it's something evil. I mean, that is the, that falls on the interpretation of, of the individual because, you know, people who have, who knows better don't put that, that together. You know what I'm saying? They don't ever put that together. They will just go, you know, we're like, okay, it's good music and, you know, there's facts to it. But people who like to lie and not be truthful, they, they, will levit- they won't levitate to stuff like that. They'll think, they'll say, oh, that's the uprising and it's, it brings out white fear. The overall message and objective of the Black Lives Matter movement is not to exterminate Anglo-Americans from the face of the planet due to their inferiority and inability to effectively contribute to the human race. I repeat, that is not the message of the Black Lives Matter movement. The message is simply this. The lives of people of color or black or African-American are equal to the life of our Caucasian counterparts. We do not want the entire American pie. We want a slice of the American pie and to stay alive long enough to enjoy it. Big, big, big difference between those two messages and two crusades and platforms. What's so nice about this movie is that it gives you a nice little little reflection. If you think it was worse back then and it's, it's, it's better now, well, you make that decision, you know. You know, you make, you come to that conclusion. You you come to your own conclusion, because um, uh, you, uh, a lot of people say, "Oh, it will never happen." Then you know, because I will, you know, not allow it to happen. I will check that. And uh, it, well, right now you have to be honest with yourself and really say, "Do you really check?" You know, um, a lot of stuff that goes on. Uh, like you, right now, you're living in today's times, and you know you, you you have that position to make an impact right now. And a lot of people aren't. A lot of people aren't. They might be say they may say it, but they don't act on, upon it. So you know. Um, Give an example. Uh, 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 one second, and I gotta say, um, what was that woman um, that that died in that rally? What's the name? Because we need to really, you know big her up for you know um sacrificing her life her name was heather Heyer, i believe that's how you pronounce her last name and she was 32 years old i'm glad you brought her name up so we can honor her during this episode because she died standing up against bigotry and hate so not all caucasian individuals believe that black lives matter is equivalent to white supremacy i'm really glad that you brought that up so i can make that correction There are a lot of Caucasians, obviously, that are fighting the good fight along with people of color as allies, such as Heather. I'm glad that was highlighted in this movie because that's important. There was also five other victims who were listed in critical condition, four in serious condition, and another 10 were in fair or good condition. I I never understood that because, like, like this guy that went and he, you know, he, he rammed the car into uh, these people. Like, I, I'm totally lost. Like, wh- what is your fight now? Because I thought your fight was, you know, against, you know, black people. Or, 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 but like, when you kill white people, I, I don't understand what fight you're fighting. Who, who you're fighting? Well, I don't think the driver said, I'm going to specifically target this Caucasian woman. 
in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement. I think he just saw the other side as the enemy and was so filled with rage and hate and that riled him up enough to just ram his car into a crowd of protesters. A lot of Caucasians died in the name of civil rights and that goes to show you the level of hatred we're dealing with. That a, a Caucasian will kill another Caucasian for no other reason but for the fact that they feel their own is on the wrong side of the fight. So is America great? Uh, it has momentous moments, but we're still striving as a country to be great. It's a perpetual journey. You know, we have to be very careful with feeling like we have arrived. I mean, there's always room for improvement. You're not the same person you were last year or last week or the day before. Of course not, because you're always evolving and coming into new light. That makes you better than you were the day before or the year before. Remember, President Donald Trump gave himself an A-plus in regards to presidential overall job performance. Got to be very careful of not having any room for either professional or personal growth. So it's the same with the country. We have to be very careful on how we word things and put things out there in the public sphere. The same way we should have been very mindful of saying we live in a post-racial society after we elected the first black or biracial president was elected. Because now we're realizing we do not live in a post-racial society. We have to be very mindful once again with our words and attitudes and our mindset because it can put the blindfold over our eyes and we all can get lost in that narrative. I know this is not the most popular thing to say about our country because we want to walk with our heads high and stick out our chest. And we should have that type of pride for our country. But the reality of it is, is when you look at the things we should be number one in, we're actually not. And that comes from arrogance. It's good to be prideful, but not arrogant. I, that's a very difficult line to walk. Um, that's true. Because I, mean, I, I, I look at it as, you know, America has, uh, has been innovative. Had, you know, everything new, the automobile, the locomotive, um, a lot of inventions and everything was, was um, created in America. And now we're kind of taking a back seat because they, they t we're talking about manufacturing. Manufacturing is not the, you know, the, the engine. It's innovation is the engine. With innovation, you know, you could, you could you know, create and develop uh, anything, you know. You, you could have the factories that you so desire back, you know, and but by losing that that focus, you know, that's letting letting everybody else get that. We we, we got to talk about this, you know. Um, uh, Senator McKinley King passing this week. Um, you know, I did not think that he was, you know, I, 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 I did not vote for him in 2018. I'm sorry, 2008. I, I didn't vote for him. And I just like, I didn't want to have another Republican in um, office. And I mean, but I did not, I, I respected John McCain because of, of, you know, all of his achievements. You know, a lot of people could talk and say they, 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 it's all about the country. But nobody has ever been have put themselves on the line and sacrificed like John McCain has. And I think John McCain, even though he's a Republican, he's proven one thing. You know what? We could be on opposite sides, 
but we could still we we could still be um camaraderies or you know, we could still be friends uh it doesn't mean that i'm trying to get rid of you eliminate you he he said it perfectly you know he wasn't a perfect person but you know and he's also said times that he he's, he's, he's he was on the wrong side and um but john mccain had got a riff of donald trump and like donald trump of his pettiness um did what he had to do and said you know um he didn't think he was a hero and you know he kept taunting him and he he, he put up the flags because he wanted to disrespect um john mccain and i think that was totally wrong i think john, uh, john mccain you know even if not everything else, i i agree but i really find that he was decent at what he did he was purely decent you know he did not you know play the race card he went off for how he felt even when he had a bad candidate um, uh, as a ticket for uh, vice president he never said i made a bad mistake he never said that you know he never put her down he, he he said no it was what they needed at that time and stuff he never did that that took extreme amount of you know um courage or the decency to not throw her under the bus so um in his funeral i had to applaud um megan mccain and i i for what she said she said about america has always been great you know you don't have to make it get great again it has always been great i i i, I saw that as being a real jab you know to the president and from that point in from that point on i was like you know what maybe uh she should run for her father's seat because i think that's the only person that may fit the position regardless i know you know you don't do celebrities and the people that's not into politics right but for a split second my emotions say at there maybe she should go for a father's seat you know let's see how good she would be at it right now that, that that's that's not 100 you know practical because she she's she doesn't have a history in, in politics but you know i think that she's the type of republican that would be you know a decent republican you know compared to who her father is because i i see her father as being a dying breed there are, a lot of them don't have backbones and they can't go against the president you know and then you get targeted for the, um when you uh, you have your own opinion so you know i i just wanted to bring that up you know because you know i just felt that you know was needed to be said rest in peace to senator john mccain uh, he was a great man who embodied bipartisanship which is very important especially in today's time he will be sorely missed because he was the maverick when his daughter megan mccain said during a funeral service that america has always been great once again i cringe because like i said before america has had really great moments but i still believe america will forever be on this journey to greatness i get it it was a jab at the president and i understand why she did it president donald trump i felt has been disrespectful to john mccain but he has stayed true to form after megan said what she said donald trump tweeted in all caps make america great again basically saying i don't care what you said while you're at your dad's funeral service i'm going to go to the golf course 
Donald Trump is not trying to be anything he hasn't been. He's basically telling the country, John McCain and I did not have the best relationship when he was alive, and I'm going to keep it 100. We should stop expecting anything different from Donald Trump. He's going to be the person he is. Now, we have to honor John McCain moving forward by not taking shots at each other across the political aisle and try to work together in the name of bipartisanship moving forward. Like, I, if not, we're going to continue to go down this road he was trying to prevent. The foolishness that is happening right now is not for the betterment of the country. It's all for personal, political, and professional gain. I hope we can all learn from John McCain's life here on Earth moving forward. All right, so going back a bit so we can wrap up the, the prior topic. Black Klansman has made it into my top five Spike Lee joints up there with Jungle Fever, Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, and Inside Man. If you were to rate this film on a letter grade, what would you give it? I'll give it an A. I give Black Klansman an A also. All right, so on to the next topic. You and I have been talking about tribalism for some time now, and I think it's important to show how dangerous it can be because it forces an individual to join a team. No matter who you are or which team you're on, it can do more harm than good when you're when you can't look at the greater good for humanity. Great. So we are as a species, we're biologically um, constructed to want to belong to tribes. We have to belong to groups. Um, and once we connect to a group, um, it's almost like the effect is almost like a drug. That is, we want to cling to the group. We want to think it's better in every way. We want to defend it no matter what. And that's not always bad. You know, a group can be our family. I've seen the way you are with your family. I'm the same exact way. I'm very tribal sports. But the problem is when tribalism takes over a political system, that becomes very dangerous because you start to see everything through your group's lens. And you don't even realize it. You're just stuck in there. And facts start to not ma to matter, arguments. Mm -hmm. Even today watching you guys, like people don't realize, are we being consistent? Like, are we just mad about it when our side did it two years ago? You know, and it gets, uh, it's in, the problem is that we have massive problems. Race, immigration, gun control, and we are getting nothing done. We, because mm -hmm. anytime anything happens, um, we immediately go into our tribal positions yeah. and we start attacking the other side and the studies show that we actually our brains go off we get pleasure from taking down the other side really? so i think a wow. lot of times that we're doing is we're are we really trying to help america solve these problems or do we just want to stick it to the other side and and see them suffer mm -hmm. um and i think that's part of the problem hmm. we're seeing right now so there are all different types of tribal tribes out there. But for right now, I'm going to focus on the many different levels or subsets of black tribalism. Africans versus other Africans or other tribes on the continent of Africa. Africans versus African-Americans or black people who live in America. West Indian people of color in the Caribbean versus people of color in the United States. Caribbean islands versus other surrounding Caribbean islands, Indian Caribbean versus black Caribbean, black people with so-called good hair versus black people with so-called bad hair, light-skinned people of color versus dark-skinned people of color, people of color who attended Ivy League schools versus people of color who attended community college or who didn't attend school at all, black individuals who attended HBCUs, 
historically black colleges and universities versus other HBCUs a person of color may have attended, fraternities and sororities people of color have pledged to and are affiliated with versus other fraternities and sororities, people of color who reside on a certain coast, state, city, or neighborhood versus other people of color who hold opposite residence, people of color who are Christians versus people of color who are atheists, Black atheists versus black agnostics, black of people of color uh, uh, of a particular faith versus other people of color of a particular faith, black people affiliated with gangs versus other gangs black people are affiliated with, people of color who are meat eaters versus people of color who are vegetarians, black vegans versus black vegetarians, wealthy people of color versus less well-off people of color. People of color who work in white collar jobs versus people of color who work in blue collar jobs. People of color who was born with a particular handicap, whether it's physical, mental or emotional versus a person of color who may be considered quote unquote normal. People of color who are heterosexual versus people of color who are homosexual. Black Republicans or conservatives versus black Democrats or liberals. Biracial people of color versus non-biracial people of color. And the list goes on and on and on and on. When does it stop? I have a better question for you. Who started this great big divide called tribalism amongst human beings? We know society strategically created, designed, fostered, and developed institutions, organizations, organizations such as the government, media, educational institutions, prisons, religion, that gave birth to this divisive ideology, rhetoric to perpetuate tribalism. But who can we pinpoint it to? Or are we just going to blindly continue to repeat this vicious cycle all in the name of, tra of, of tradition or, wait for it, American pride? Okay, well, I want to tell you what this is, right? This is about control. Because it's all it is divide and control. Because if you could create um, a division... Then I automatically, you know, that's after battle one already. Because once there's a division, and you you could you could have the two opposing sides fight each other. Guess what? Uh, the the person in the middle don't have to worry. They're just a spectator and just in, in facilitating it. And that's that's part of why th that happens. So let's talk about facts because you like to talk about facts. You're right. We're, we're living in times where facts have now taken a back seat. But this is nothing new. Facts never really did matter. Let me reiterate. Black people with so-called good hair versus black people with bad hair. Who made it a fact that if your hair is coarse and kinky, it's bad. And if it's long, straight and silky, then it's good hair. That's not a fact. Light-skinned people of color. The lighter you are, the more beautiful you are versus a dark-skinned person of color. That's not a fact. Black people who attend Ivy League schools are better than black people who attend community college or those who dropped out or never enrolled in the first place. That's not a fact. So there are all these ideologies that have been passed down from generation to generation without merit. No credibility whatsoever. None. And we're all a bunch of idiots holding on to our nonsensical beliefs that these tribes we're a part of hold up as truth or some type of sanctimonious standard. I'm calling bullshit on all of it. We, we talk about this, right? But people are practicing it and don't even realize that they're practicing it. So first and foremost, let's point that out here. Like, why are we 
we we we we picking up that fight. Why uh, why? So, so first things first, acknowledge that you are picking a side. Yes, and you're creating division. Okay, so uh, that's number one. First, but, but pe- people need to know these things. People need to know this because people blindly do a lot of things. But remember, and, you and, know, it's been deeply embedded and ingrained. So you can't. Can you blame people? Um, you can let, let, because there is personal responsibility. But there's so many things bombarded, bombarding us on a daily basis to reinforce these tribes and this tribal way of thinking. So we can blame people, sure. But how do we get it out to the masses that, listen, the fight that you're fighting, you're on the wrong side? You know, some people will, 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 will get it. Some others won't. And you just have to accept that there's going to be casualty. So, you know, right now, talking about it, is, is helping helping out because it now is, somebody it is, it is. but because, if, we, if we were to do it in music if we were to make a rap song about tribalism how far do you think it will go versus a rap song about materialistic items so part of the reason is people need to be very selective it's good to talk about it and it's good to to spread this message of tribalism and understand what fight you're fighting but it's also important for us to listen to things that is educational versus entertain, entertaining. entertaining. What, let, let me tell you something, right? You could be both. You could be both entertaining and informative. Informative. This is true. Because because don't forget, remember there used to be a song back in the days of Ken OG and the Bulldogs when he said, um, you wasn't down when we was riding the bus, so put on your sneakers and step off. Remember that line? He was saying, listen, now that we cool and stuff, you you, you want to be down with us? You wasn't down with us to begin with, so we don't want you to be down with us now. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I got so, you. so, so, um, music is a good, uh, um, outlet for doing that. Uh, and like I said, not every, because my, that's what Bob Marley did. He put all of his thoughts and, and, um, political, um, issues in music. And he also, don't forget, was 1977 when the um, prime ministers were against each other and people were killing each other over two prime ministers and he brought them up on stage and had them held hands, say, made a strong statement. If these two guys are friends, why are y'all killing yourselves over them? Right. So, you know, it's always that discussion and um, conversation needs to be had. We need to have a conversation and um, you know, talk about these things, and you know, ways of you know, people. You know, you might you might not you you won't get everybody, but you will have people thinking like, listen, I'm not I'm not picking up all of these fights. These fights is just a distraction to keep me occupied doing stuff that I don't need to be in. You know, so like, like what you never know who you could inspire. You could inspire another uh, uh, the next rapper to decide to you know what I want to talk about that. And that's that's important to talk about because I see the you know the betterment of of, of, of people how how could they could implement it into into their talent you know so um, the conversation that we have is doing a lot you know somebody you, you never know who, who this podcast is going to get to as they're going to get it to and um, they'll think about you know what I need to make a difference they might have a, a mega microphone that we we have right now. And they could, you know, decide on, on like, you know what, 
with all this tribalism and this foolishness and we need to actually address it you know so Agreed. Agreed. that's that's the only way talking about it does help and i've always said that communication is key so i'm glad we're talking about it and i hope that people really understand you know try to take a step back because tradition is 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 a hard it's a difficult thing to run away from because you've been used to doing it for so long it seems right and whether it's factual or not or whether it's right or wrong it doesn't matter because you've been doing it for so long. And I'm going back to the American pride thing. Just because we've been doing things one way for so long in this country doesn't mean it's right and doesn't mean that it's factual. So we have to, as the people, as citizens, realize what we've been doing in the name of tradition and what we are putting in our brains and regurgitating once we leave our homes and interact with other people. Now, are you part of any tribe? You part, part, part of the Caribbean tribe. And the light-skinned people tribe. Oh, <laughs> <part of> the... <laughs> okay, okay. So, so, so you're light-skinned. I'm brown-skinned. I'm, I'm American. You're American with, you know, Caribbean descent. Do you? What do you think about? Do you think it's like? Have you heard that growing up? Like being light-skinned you have more privilege and more opportunities than a person being dark skinned? Yeah, this or, or is... Did it, you get any, or did you get any prejudice, you know, in St. Luke's of being, you know, light skinned versus a person who's Caribbean who's dark skinned? Um, I was too young to, to experience that. Um, but uh, I I do know that it does exist. You know, I'm not uh, totally oblivious to, you know, what was going on around me. But... Um, it, 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 it's, it's there. Um, yeah, it, it, it was part of it's, it's part of my history. I mean, I, I've, I've witnessed that. I've, um, but I've I've also realized I've always remember I've always treated as, as a black man. But you know what? It, it has gotten me self conscious to think like you know what, like, um, you, you know, I I reckon I recognize myself as being a black man depending on what complexion my skin is. I don't get no rewards for being light skinned You know, people might I might have seen black people look at it as you know like a good thing or whatever cases. But I don't like. I'm not looking for special favors or get special favors for being a light light um, um, skin. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold up. Stop the presses. You don't have to look or expect a reward because it's automatically given to you in certain circumstances that you are completely unaware of. There are plenty of people out there who are reaping the benefits of either being light-skinned or having long flowy hair as a result of society deeming those traits as being the standard of beauty or what's right or what's good. So you don't have to expect it. And furthermore, let me take some time out to say this. I do not like excluding other minorities or other groups who face some form of hatred or criticism for who they are or how they live their lives. So for those of you who are listening, I know very well that racism, sexism, homophobia, xenophobia, and every other bias out there has different degrees and dimensions of prejudice and oppression. I get that, trust me. So when I continue to talk in very broad terms in regards to minorities, it's because in my mind, bigotry is bigotry and hate is hate when it's all said and done. 
So once again, there's only one tribe. I know black people are quick to always ask, why does Rem always feel compelled to include every other minority group on his podcast when he talks about the plight and fight for civil rights in this country, knowing that other groups, not all but some, don't include us when they're fighting their fight? Well, first things first, let's take this time to honor and talk about Heather Heyer, the 32-year-old woman killed in that horrific car attack. No father should have to do this. From her father, Mark, a plea for peace. She wanted to put down hate. And for my part, we just need to stop all this stuff and just forgive each other. But from Heather's mother, Susan, defiance. They tried to kill my child to shut her up. Well, guess what? You just magnified her. Then a call to action. Say to yourself, what can I do to make a difference? And that's how you're gonna make my child's death worthwhile. I'd rather have my child, but by golly, if I got to give her up, we're going to make it count. Heather is the reason why I'm intentionally being all-inclusive on this podcast every week, not just to other minorities, but to the majority as well. Secondly, for the individuals and other minority groups who choose not to show African-Americans, blacks, or people of color love, they're wrong. And we all know what happens when you have two wrongs. I'm not going to let anyone else dictate how I live my life or who I support, especially if they're wrong. When minority groups don't include each other when it comes to the struggle that only makes it harder for all of us. They're on the wrong side of the fight and being tribal never helps the overall cause, which is simply to vanquish discrimination and bigotry. I am fighting against the constant divide that we're all perpetuating. The more allies and empathy each minority group has for the other, the more the power shifts to the underclass and we get closer to being one tribe. You want to make America great again? Let's start with independent thinking and not becoming so enthralled with and entrenched in tribalism. There's only one tribe, people, and that's the human race. Okay, I'm done. All right, so wrap it up. All right, it's a wrap. Hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Until next time. If you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to subscribe, share, and give a review. You can listen to the Obsessively Outspoken podcast on the website at www.obsessivelyoutspoken.com. You can also follow Obsessively Outspoken on social media, Twitter at underscore Outspoken One, Facebook page Obsessively Outspoken, on Instagram, Pinterest, and Google+. Thank you so much for joining us today. Until next time.